0: Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard, Denard Robinson, Timonga Biakapatuka, from Yost to Arbaugh. Passed down from generation to generation, Michigan football has stood the test of time. What's that feeling you get when you catch your first glimpse of the big house? When you hear, and take the field? When you see the team emerge from the tunnel, Sprint across the field and touch that famed MGO Blue banner. Saturdays in the fall, tailgates with friends and family, favorite players, favorite teams, and unforgettable moments. A lifetime of memories. College football in 2020 may be unique, but it has arrived at the corner of Stadium and Main, which is where you can find Michael Spath and Justin Rowe sharing their analysis their stories and their emotions about this year's wolverine
1: welcome back to the stadium in maine podcast i am justin Rowe, and i am here with michael spath michael it is game week it's game week and it's been 41 weeks since we've been able to say that here for michigan football how are you feeling you feeling uh pretty pumped for uh for game week here
2: Longest off season in the history of anybody's lives. That's for certain. And yeah, I mean, you know, I texted a couple of friends and got some, uh, some text messages from friends yesterday that uh, all, you know, all all texted that game week. It's finally here. Michigan football. We get a, uh, you know, we experience the the, the thing that uh, for, for fans and of maize and blue and green and white and scarlet and gray. I mean, this is this is probably the, the biggest your biggest affinity, uh, you know. The NFL was watching games yesterday, and and maybe you're you know maybe if you're a Patriots fan, it's a little bit different. Uh, but for most people, college football is what resonates with them um, more than any other pro team. And so here we are. We we finally get to answer some of the questions that we've had about this Michigan football team. But I, I'm like I'm with you, Justin. I think like just for the next five or six days. Um, I just want to enjoy the revelry. I just want to enjoy the pageantry. I just want to enjoy, you know, Jim Harbaugh press conference today. Now it's different because it's on Zoom, and, it's, uh, and the players' press conference tomorrow is going to be on Zoom. But just kind of all that buildup, there's a natural buildup for every single game, every single week, uh, and I'm really excited to, to experience that. Let me ask you this question. Today's Monday. What is, like, your normal, like, how, how do you go from Monday to Saturday? Like, what is that escalation like for you?
1: We were talking about this on the other podcast uh, last night, and this is going to be the longest week of all time, right? This for The first game week when it, when Monday hits, um, it's usually like, okay, Saturday is so close but yet still so far away. And usually I'm, you know, listening to some other podcasts, watching some some anal- analysts um, looking at, at Minnesota's depth chart, some stuff like that. Um, Getting into it, I, I was texting with some guys, making some plans for Saturday's game. Um, it usually takes till Wednesday or Thursday to truly, you know, be all all the way amped up for a game. But um, yeah, I think that we, uh, you know, today it's like you you start um, you see Jim Harbaugh. Maybe it's on Zoom, but you that that'll make it feel really real. And he's gonna give his bland answers, of course, um, per usual, probably. <laughs> Um, and, and not give much information, especially first uh, first week of the year. Um, but it'll be fun to, to hear, you know, some of our guys, our friends and colleagues here, giving him some questions about the offense and the defense and Joe Milton alike. And so um, I, I think there's, there's a lot of buzz about this game in specific for Michigan and Minnesota. Um, college game day will be there. Uh, So that'll be, you know, it'll be a game of the week type of game uh, and a huge game for both teams as far as their entire schedule goes for the season. Uh, I was taking a look at Minnesota's schedule and outside of Michigan and Wisconsin, there aren't too many tough games on their schedule uh, being in the Big Ten West. They do have to go to Wisconsin. They do have to play Iowa at home, uh, but it, it really is – this is a make-or-break game for Minnesota right off the bat for them. And you know what? It is for Michigan, too. Although that they may have, I'd say, four uh, very difficult games instead of two, it still is uh, a big, big game for them against P.J. Fleck and the Golden Gophers. So do you, how do you feel about, about that being a, a gigantic game for both teams right off the bat here in game one?
2: Well, for Minnesota – I mean, we should probably start with Michigan, but for Minnesota, because we'll get them out of the way quickly here. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, getting Wisconsin and, as you mentioned, Iowa, but the rest of the Big Ten West this year, uh, Purdue, Illinois, Northwestern, Nebraska, um, are all supposed to be a level below the Golden Gophers. Uh, So if if they can beat Michigan and get out of the gate, I mean, they'll probably jump from low 20s to, to somewhere around like 14 in the polls. Um, I, I don't think either one of us think that when we've watched college football the first five or six weeks, we've seen Clemson dismantle Georgia Tech. or We saw Alabama, uh, you know, a juggernaut fight with Georgia and then pull away late. Um, I, I don't think we, we think that Minnesota can compete with those teams. But certainly with their schedule and playing in the Big Ten West, if they're a seven and one football team and, and win the Big Ten West, all they've got to do is win one big game in the Big Ten championship um, against Michigan or Ohio State or, or Penn State, and, and who knows what could happen for them. So, yeah, this is, this is critically important. Plus, it's at night. Uh, plus, it's their, their opener. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things going in the Golden Gophers' favor. For Michigan, you know, I was reading the Detroit Free Press on, on Sunday, uh, you know, and I know a lot of people do that with caution. And I, I got to say, they were really down on Michigan. Um, I, I was surprised. I mean, other than Sean Windsor, who's a columnist, who so I think you had him going 7-1, and one, uh, the two beat writers who cover Michigan football had him 4-4 a piece. They had him losing this game to Minnesota. They had him losing to Wisconsin and Penn State. And they had him losing to Ohio State. And, you know, we're going to get into this a little bit later on in our podcast today, Justin. But, like, what is a successful season for Michigan? Is it just about wins and losses? Uh, does Michigan have to go, you know – eight no Do they have to go seven and one do they have to go six and two what does the record look like but beyond that like what are the things that you're you're, you're hoping to see from michigan and and i tell you what if they go four and four it's an unmitigated disaster i, I was i was talking to sam and ira uh from my former colleagues from WTK, and you know they asked me a little bit if this is like a freebie this is a if this is a gimmick year uh, or a, a, you know a gimme year sorry like in golf and i said yes but no i mean if 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 Harbaugh goes five and three, six and two, and there's some progress being made on the offense, then yeah, I look back at it and go, okay, this was a successful season. And again, we'll get into that a little more coming up here. But if he goes four and four and loses every single one of their tough games—Minnesota, Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State—in year six of the program, I mean, I hate to say it, I know this is a pandemic year, the whole thing, but that is—that would be—that would be terrible. So that's you know, this game is a great opportunity for Michigan football to get the monkey out their back of, of losing top 25 games on the road, of just losing to, to good teams on the road, um, you know, to to, to get the, the start of the season off on a, on a right foot. I mean, there's a lot on the line here for Michigan, for Joe Milton to kind of announce himself, for the defense to announce themselves against a really good quarterback in Tanner Morgan and a great wide receiver in Rashad Bateman. So I, I don't know, Justin. I, I think that it is a statement game for both teams, Um, maybe Minnesota – no, I don't even think they need it more. I think both teams need it 100% if they want to achieve anything within the Big Ten and nationally this year.
1: Absolutely. I think this game for both teams really sets the tone for the rest of the season. You know, if if Joe Milton comes out and he's slinging the ball all over the place and and they really are clicking on all cylinders and that defense can also step up and put things together – I think they'll be confident going into the rest of the season and maybe have some swagger to them. And same thing for Minnesota. If Tanner Morgan and Rashad Bateman pick up where they left off last year, I think for them in the Big Ten West, the sky's the limit. But if Joe Milton comes out, he makes some mistakes, and they're not really comfortable. I think the offensive line is really important in making sure Joe Milton is comfortable back there. if that doesn't happen and there's breakdowns on defense in the secondary for Michigan, it could not, it could bode very badly for them. And the the mental toughness of this Michigan team has not been a strength for them. You look at when they go on the road, like you said, at Wisconsin, you know, a couple touchdowns early for Wisconsin and they fall apart and don't even try to pick up the pieces uh, for the rest of the game. So, uh, for them, I think even just quarter one is very, very important for this Michigan team in yeah. specific um, to make sure that they get things rolling here right away because on the road they haven't, they haven't done well. And um, I know they are actually now two-point favorites. Uh, it, originally yeah. they were two-point underdogs. Um, but here's a little stat of the day for you. The last time that Michigan won a game on the road as an underdog was in 2013 against Northwestern. So yeah. it has not happened under the Harbaugh era. Um, that, was, that seems like a lifetime ago. Um, they just haven't done well in those situations. And, he, and Jim Harbaugh is also one in seven in college game days. Um, so in these big games, Michigan, especially under Jim Harbaugh, hasn't done very well. So um, it'll be interesting to see um, how they do. And I think that um, – you know, like you said, they don't have to go eight and zero for everyone to be satisfied with Michigan this year. Um, but I do think they need to show progress. They need to show that this offense is moving along, and Joe Milton has been developed as a quarterback under Jim Harbaugh. Because up till now, we haven't seen a quarterback that has truly been developed very well by the you know so-called QB whisperer of Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and, and all that so it, i think they need to show some things uh, in in 2020 um, and then maybe looking a little bit ahead to 2021 could be the real year where it'll, it'll be the test if they can put it all together
2: yeah a couple of a couple of things um you know going back a little bit to how much this game matters i think it really depends and and we'll, i'll jump into kind of my thoughts on the season and what needs to take place here in a second but it kind of depends on what you want this season to be. If, uh, as Justin said, a little bit of, you know, it's got to be about progress and maybe you're looking ahead at 2021 uh, and a home schedule that includes Ohio State, then then this game, this, this game against Minnesota is more of a, a learning experience. It's more of, a, of an opportunity uh, than necessarily a must win. However, if you hold you know, the, the idea that Michigan should be winning the Big Ten title this year, competing for the Big Ten title, here's why this game matters. If you lose this game to Minnesota, Michigan has to run the table the rest of the way. Like, There's no doubt about it. Now, they have to beat Ohio State regardless to win a Big Ten title this year, but they have to run the table because Ohio State's crossover games are Nebraska in the opener, which we'll see at noon on Saturday, and Illinois, two like eh teams two teams that might go six and six i'm sorry not six and six four and four this year that might go um you know three and five and so that you know ohio state has got ohio state has seven wins or probably six wins guaranteed on their schedule besides penn state and michigan yep. so you know the chances of them losing both those games are, are non not likely and so yeah michigan if they want to win the big 10 if that's what your goal as a fan is this year is like hey it's your six like gotta get it done then you lose to Minnesota, you have to go 7-0 and the rest of the way in order to achieve your goals. Again, you're going to have to beat Ohio State either way, but um, you can't have any slip-ups. You can't lose a game to Wisconsin. You can't lose a game to get Penn State. You can't have a, a once-in-40-year uh, you know opportunity against um, Minnesota where you lose. So, you know, that's kind of where I'm at a little bit is, is, is this game is critically important. From that standpoint, you've got to win – in order to almost stay in the Big 10 race and we're talking about week 1 Justin.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And with the 8 game schedule like you just said, there's no there's no chance for slip-ups and we've already seen that across the country, you know, in the Big 12, Oklahoma slipped up twice already. Everybody everybody has a loss essentially in the in the Big 12 and and so it people have already written them off for the college football playoffs. So, you know, out you know, unlike other years where Michigan could have possibly gotten in as an 11 and one team, or you know, Ohio State uh, a a couple years ago. uh, Penn State was looking uh, outside, looking in, but they're in the discussion still with a loss or two. In this eight in this eight game schedule, if you want to get into the Big Ten or the college football playoff, I'm sorry, there's no there's no chance for a slip up. You have to go eight and zero. So um, that's where this. I don't I don't agree with that. I don't agree
2: with that. I, I think you can go. I think you go seven and one, um, especially since they have that extra game on the schedule. Eight and one, uh, and get into the college football playoff. It depends who that loss is against. I mean, yeah. I mean, you just said they have to go eight. No, if they if they go if they lose to Wisconsin or Penn State midway through the season, and then they lose and they beat Ohio State, they're in the college football playoff. They can't have two games, two losses on their schedule. And if they do what they did. Against uh, what was that the 2018 season? They lost Notre Dame and they lost Ohio State. Well, then that nullifies you. Then you're not getting in at all. And that's the, the scenario here. If you lost to Minnesota and you lost to Ohio State, you went six and two. You played in that uh, that Big Ten ninth game. Maybe you played Iowa. Maybe you played Nebraska. You won that game. You're you're seven and two. I think the the committee probably looks at it and says, well, sure, but you lost to your two best teams on your schedule this year. Why should you be in the playoff conversation? But I do think you could, if Justin, if they beat Ohio State, unless they lose two or three games, if they beat Ohio State and they go seven and one, they go eight and one in the Big Ten Championship, they are in the College Football Playoff, yeah. no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, you're you're right about that. I I think it's it's more so me. My thinking is. Ohio State's probably going to go eight and zero, you know. So, so you really are looking at. I'm looking at it more just as a Big Ten thing. To win the Big Ten, most likely Michigan is going to have to go eight and zero or seven and one with with beating Ohio State, obviously. Yes. Um, yeah. Yep. So, so it's it's more even maybe difficult to win the Big Ten for Michigan right now than to get into the college football playoff. Um, we've seen that in, the, in previous years where um, they, even without beating Ohio State, they still almost had a shot to get in the, big, uh, the college football playoffs. So, um,
2: Well, and I tell you what, that's where this, that's where this season and this extra Big Ten game championship weekend is very interesting. And I, and I think, you know, if, if you look at probably not Wisconsin because they are likely in the Big Ten championship game opposite Ohio State, but if you look at the Michigan or Penn State, and you say those two teams, one of those two teams, they lose to um, Ohio State, but they win their other game. And so they're 7-1 and one at the end of the regular season. And then they go and they get to play that, that ninth Big Ten game, and they're playing it against the second-best team in the Big Ten West, whether that's Minnesota or Iowa or maybe Wisconsin. I don't know. Someone else gets, just gets in that mix somehow. And then they win that next game, and now they're 8-1, and one. And their only lost to Ohio State, who is nine and zero and has won the Big Ten championship, now all of a sudden you could say, well, maybe they're you know they're they're the fourth playoff team. So again, a lot of things have to happen between now and uh, now and then. And this is what the fun part of college football is: is all the scenarios, all the possibilities that exist uh, on opening week because you you your your team is infallible right now. You know they 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 haven't shown any warts. They their quarterback play could be outstanding. Their their offensive line with four new starters uh, could be dynamic. Their you know their are secondary, their linebackers, everything could be great. You don't know yet until you start seeing the games and 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 Justin. Before we come back to um, kind of and in, in get into you know what is this a successful season? Let me ask you this question because I just said every unit could be is infallible right now. Um, what unit do you truly believe like? are going to be really good. And what unit do you is is your biggest? Like, yikes! Like, I'm just. I mean, here I am, game week, and I'm still not sure what we're going to get at all.
1: Yeah, you know, there's a couple of those uh, uh units. I think on Michigan, and, and in my opinion, Michigan has a lot of question marks this year. Uh, they more so than than other years, and and some of that is because. We haven't been able to see them in practice. We haven't really gotten to see much um, from them at all. And so the, the group that I believe is a no-doubter, they're going to be top of, probably top of the Big Ten or close to it, is the defensive line. That defensive line is experienced. We talked, we talked a little bit about them uh, last podcast um, with Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson and then the big boys in the middle of, you know, Carlo Kemp and uh, Mozzie Smith, Chris Hinton. Um, I, it, I think that they've got enough depth and experience that they are going to be good. And they're really going to anchor that defense. And it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how Cam McGrown behind them uh, does in, in year two as well. So um, I think that's going to be your, your top – they're going to be consistent. They're going to be somebody – a group that we are not going to be worried about game in and game out and say, oh, wow, how is uh, Wisconsin's offensive line going to push this uh, defensive line around? I think it, it might be, even be the opposite where Wisconsin or Minnesota's offensive line says, crap, we got to play Michigan's D-line this year. How are we going to contain Pay and Aiden Hutchinson? Um, so I think that will be a real strength for Michigan – On the opposite side, the offensive line is my biggest question mark. And I'll tell you the reason why. It's not because I don't believe in Ed Warner. I think Ed Warner did essentially the same thing two years ago, taking four guys that didn't have much experience at all and turning nearly all of them into draft picks. And so I believe in Ed Warner. I think that he is a guy who – he's probably the best – uh, assistant coach under Jim Harbaugh in terms of developing players. He is taking guys with decent talent, but I don't think Michigan has gotten the best recruits in, on the offensive line, and he's turned them all into very, very good offensive linemen. And so it's not the issue of Ed Warner, but it's the issue of are these guys ready in game one with a new quarterback, and are they going to be, to be ready to go here? They need to keep Joe Milton upright in quarter one, in quarter two, in the first half. We talked about this in, in just a little bit ago. Um, it's very important to, for them to get going right off the bat. And for we actually talked about this on Blue by Ninety with Clayton Safety the other day. How important it is for the offensive line to keep Joe Milton's jersey clean in that first quarter for Joe Milton to be comfortable back there and be able to not be, you know, running for his life or going down or, or forcing balls, they really need to, to make sure that he gets, you know, three to five seconds back in the pocket and can sit there, make all his reads, and not feel rushed. Because if, if Joe Milton doesn't get that time and all of a sudden now he's feeling panicked back there, he doesn't, he's not able to get to his second and third reads, He's, uh, you know, we saw this with Shea Patterson. He was tearing yeah. out of the pocket, running before he even really needed to, and a lot of that was because he—I don't know if he just didn't feel comfortable. Um, some of that was his personal uh, problems, but I think that Joe Milton needs to, with with his lack of experience, feel comfortable on the road at Minnesota, even though with without fans, it's still going to be a big game and in a big environment. So. Um,
2: Justin, you're you, you, what you just what you just said, what you're just talking about there—that creating that confidence early in a game for a first-year starting quarterback—and and I'm so glad that you referenced Shea Patterson because you know Shea as a as a senior a year ago, I mean he bailed out of that pocket as you as you mentioned so many times unnecessarily, right? I mean there were there were times I, I was watching we would do football 101 with uh, with Devin Gardner, former quarterback, and there were so many times where Devin would. You know, he, he doesn't have any hair. He, he shaves his head, but he would, like, grab his what would be, like, his hair because the offensive line would create a, a pocket that, that Devin Gardner, who got sacked a lot during his career, would, dreamt, would have dreamt about. Right. And Shea would be bailing out of there. And he would create when – when a quarterback bails out of a clean pocket, he forces himself to make a difficult throw because he forces himself to make a throw on the run. And even if you've got – Joe Milton has a howitzer sort of an arm, even if you have something like that, when you don't have your feet set, you can, you know, everything can, all your accuracy can be thrown out the window. And in, in addition to that, you tend to, you don't see the entire field because now you're only looking at a quarter of it or a third of it, and you don't often see those guys who are leaking behind that can pick off your passes. And so, um, you know, that's something that troubled, plagued Michigan a year ago for sure. And and I, I love your point about the offensive line and creating that cover for them now. You kind of said, keep his jersey clean and, and don't let this guy get knocked down. I mean, he's a he's a monster. He's mm-hmm. 6'5", 245 pounds. He ain't going to get knocked down very much. <laughs> uh, you're going to have to hit him really hard with a really big boy to knock him down. That said, I mean, your, your point is still the same. I mean, if he's feeling – if he's got to be fleeing that pocket pretty quickly, if he's not comfortable back there, uh, that does not bode well for for a young guy establishing not just his personal confidence, but his confidence in his offensive line and the ability to know that, hey, I've got three or four seconds back here to survey the field, he's going to feel rushed. And the last thing you want a first-year starter doing is feeling rushed because then he's not going. Then he, then he forgets everything he's been being taught for the last couple of weeks and months, yeah. and he just starts going into street ball football, which right. sometimes works, but generally speaking, you don't want your quarterback playing uh, playing street ball.
1: And and he's a guy too that he has such a good arm. I think that he could end up trying to rely on forcing it into a tight zone where he thinks, oh, I got that. And in reality, all of a sudden, you know, in practice, that may work. Game speed is different, right? The game really speeds up, and the the defense is in places that you didn't think that they were going to be. So. Sometimes when you're forcing those balls in practice and with his arm, he may have been able to make that happen um, in camp for the past, you know, couple months in, in Shembeckler Hall in Glick uh, Fieldhouse. But now when you get into TCF Bank Stadium, maybe that's not going to work. And, and, and guys are all of a sudden, you know, we saw – I remember Sam Darnold a, a few years ago saying, I'm seeing ghosts right now. All, you know, all of a sudden these guys – they're, the defense feels like they've got 15 guys out there and you can't fit any, any ball into any zone. So um, yeah, it'll yeah. be interesting to see how that works for him. So is there anybody, any other group that you're, you're focusing on uh, as far as well, you,
2: you want to uh, watch yeah. them? Well, I love the linebacker core. I'm really excited to see Cam grown in year two uh, just such tremendous instincts uh, you know, will he have a, a Devin Bush breakout season uh, and be one of the, you know, the, there's a there's a mantle that's been passed from Micah Parsons to who is the who is the best middle linebacker in the Big Ten. And I think Cameron could make that argument if he goes out there and uh, and, and lives up to his potential, um, which last year he kind of exceeded it. But he had a couple of moments, too, where, uh, you know, he, he certainly he, there were some learning lessons a year ago. Now he's next to Josh Ross, who missed most of last season, except for two games uh, with an injury. He's going to be his weak side linebacker. So Josh Ross, someone who sees the game really well, can, can kind of, you know, put, make sure the McGroans in the right spots. And then someone that really excited about in Michael Barrett to play the Viper spot. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm geeked to see what those guys can do so much speed on the field um, so much power and so much uh, ability to go sideline to sideline and also create plays in the offensive backfield. Um, I like the defensive line. Tomorrow, let's talk a little bit about the secondary because I'm not as worried about the secondary as maybe a lot of other people are, and I'll, really? I'll explain why. Um, I just think what you know, you mentioned the offensive line, but I think the quarterback position, Justin. I mean, we, you know, as much as we've heard about Joe Milton, and as as high as they are on their back of Cade McNamara, and the fact that Dylan McCaffrey looked at the quarterback room and said, "I'm out. I'm going to transfer because." for whatever reason, I'm either, you know, I'm not getting the opportunity or I, I got beat out or I'm not going to play here. That's exciting. But man, it, it feels like other than a five game stretch of the Jake Rudock era at the end of his 2015 season, it just feels like we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. I think you have to go back to that stretch of Jake Rudock, which kind of came, you know, a little bit out of nowhere. And, and it included a, a massive game against Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to go back to 2012 when Devin Gardner took over for Denard Robinson um, and had an awesome stretch to, to finish off the year. But to look at a quarterback who has had from beginning of the season to end of the season a really good season is, is probably Denard in 2011. So we're talking going on a decade here, nine seasons, since Michigan has had consistently great quarterback play from week one to week two nine to week 12 to week 13 whatever it normally is and so I think that's really the the, the, the challenge and, and what I'm going to be keeping an eye on is and I, we talked about it in our first podcast I'm really excited about Joe Milton and I don't want to put the handcuffs on him I don't want to make him a game manager I think that would be a terrible idea for Michigan I think you got to let this guy's talent just rise to the top but we don't really really know yet what that's going to look like and so that's my biggest question mark if he is if he is dynamic and he is one of the best quarterbacks in the big 10 there is nothing that stops michigan this year even that secondary even that offensive line if he is just average though then maybe four and four is possible
1: yeah but you know what i've i feel like i've even said in the past few years all we need is an average quarterback with this you know i look back to 2016 and 2018 all, all Michigan needed was a little bit, I would say, above average quarterback play, and with the defense that they had and the tools at at running back and wide receiver and the offensive line, they could have won a national championship or at least a Big Ten championship. So, I don't know if he's got to be, you know, Heisman esque, but let's go. Let's start with a little bit above average here, and and get to a you know seventy percent completion percentage, and actually throw the ball downfield. And, and like you said on our, our first podcast too, what was the, you know, how many, uh, how many completions did, uh, did Shea Patterson average per game?
2: Well, he averaged 29 pass attempts per game, That's what uh, was. which is, yeah, 29 pass attempts per, per game last year. Um, under Harbaugh, Michigan has never had a quarterback throw the ball uh, 30 times per game. And you know, we we had I looked up the stat before Saturday's uh, Saturday's action. And I think there were like 28 quarterbacks in college football who were already throwing the ball 30 times or more per game. And it's just, even in the last couple of years, the the passing game um, has you know ha- has exceeded uh, the running game. You know, this is this is the it's just accelerated. This is the the, the trend that the path that we're on. Um, you know, LSU, uh, Florida this year. You know, Alabama, Mac Jones had. Uh, what, close to 400 yards against Georgia the other day. I mean, yeah. Trevor Lawrence, five touchdown passes uh, the other day. I mean, their teams are throwing the ball and throwing the ball and throwing the ball and more and more and more. This is not just Mike Leach's offense. This is not just Hawaii's offense. This is not just, you know, enter group of five school that needs to throw the ball 50 to 60 times a game to compete. This is the big dogs of college football. They recognize, and they recognize, too, that their running backs are in some ways far more valuable to them as wide receivers leaking out of the backfield than they are necessarily just as running backs. And so, yeah, I just want to see Michigan's offense turn it loose. And, and Justin, that gets us to, to this question is when you look at this Michigan team and you look at this season and we'll come up with our season predictions a little bit later on uh, this week in our, in our predictions, what, what is a successful season? If you take away the record, if you take away, they have to go seven and one or six and two, what, What has to happen in your mind for this to be judged a successful season for Michigan football?
1: You know, Michael, it's got to be all eyes on Joe Milton, right? It it, it really has to be can Jim Harbaugh and Josh Gaddis develop a quarterback? This is the first time that we've seen a a true non-transfer guy come in and play and and be the starting quarterback for Michigan. So what's he going to be like? I, need, I think that Michigan fans have been waiting for this moment. They were waiting for this moment with, when Dylan McCaffrey was on the roster as well and saying, all right, we finally got two guys that are, are developed under Jim Harbaugh. We've been waiting and hearing to see, you know, that Jim Harbaugh is this QB guy. He did it with Andrew Luck. He did it with Colin Kaepernick. So that's been all the talk about Jim Harbaugh. So in year six – I think it's finally time that Michigan fans and analysts and everybody alike is going to say, all right, it's time for for you to show us that you've developed a quarterback. And with the talent that Joe Joe Milton has in the athleticism, I don't think there's any excuse that Jim Harbaugh will have if he is not up to par. And so I think that he has to – in specific, Jim Harbaugh has to show us that he developed Joe Milton, and the quarterback play is elevated to a different level.
2: Yeah. Well, let me let me say this, and because I agree with you, and I, when I look at what has to happen for Michigan football to be successful this year, I'm right there talking about quarterback play, and I'll even get more specific than just to show that they've developed a quarterback. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think he has to go toe to toe with Justin Fields in the final game of the year. And someone's going to say, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Justin Fields is one of the best quarterbacks in college football. You can make the case he and Trevor Lawrence uh, and the young man out of BYU, I forget his name, who, who they're talking about as, uh, as, uh, as one of the top picks in the, in the draft. Those are the three best quarterbacks in college football. So you're saying Joe Milton has to be one of the three best quarterbacks in college football. That's unfair to put on a guy. But let me ask you this question. A year ago, where was Justin Fields when the season started? He was a five-star with a lot of hype who had yeah. left Georgia and transferred to Ohio State. And what did he go out and do? What he went out and did was he proved himself to be the one of the five best quarterbacks in college football. He threw for 3,500 yards. He had an insane touchdown-interception ratio. Uh, he, he, he in the Michigan-Ohio State game, he flat-out balled out. He was better as a sophomore than a fifth-year or a senior five-star Shea Patterson and that is the that is the nature of college football is do I need Joe Milton to be the best quarterback in in the Big Ten in week one no and does he even have to be better than Justin Fields in week eight no but he's got to be right there okay it's you can't just keep on saying well it's gonna you know it's gonna take time well time is eight weeks okay Mm -hmm. time is two and a half months Time is a season. That's how quickly guys progress in college football. And you're always nobody until you're somebody. And Justin Fields was a nobody until last year. And then he rose on the scene. You know, Tua was a nobody until the national championship game. Trevor Lawrence was a nobody until he stepped foot on, on Clemson's campus and then took off. I mean, you know, there's, there's tons of examples. Kyler Murray was a backup. Baker Mayfield was. Was you know was a walk on. I mean, you got to rise up. And so by the end of the season, for me to deem it a successful year, it's probably Michigan having some type you know six and two something like that, and Joe Milton to go out there and say, look, every year for the last decade, with the exception here or there, probably Devin Gardner in 2013, Denard in 2011. Michigan has not had the better quarterback in the Ohio state game. And not only have they not had the better quarterback, their quarterback has been 10 rungs below the Ohio state guy. That just can't happen anymore. If Justin Fields is the better quarterback, fine, but you have to walk away from that game. If Michigan loses and say, damn, Joe Milton went out there and he absolutely killed it. Mm -hmm. He was, he was going right. You know, Blow for blow, punch for punch with Justin Fields. And I tell you what, next year, he, he's going to be the best quarterback in the Big Ten. He's going to be one of the best quarterbacks nationally. Like, he is a stud. That's what has to happen by the end of the year for Michigan to deem this a successful season.
1: And so, let me ask you this, too. So, obviously, he doesn't have any experience as far as meaningful snaps uh, as a Michigan Wolverine. And he's got a big game in week one. Are you mm-hmm. Are you expecting or – Does he need to be really good in week one? How many weeks are you going to give him until you say, all right, maybe he's not the guy or should we try Cade McNamara or how how many, how much time does Joe Milton get here before Michigan fans and everybody else makes the decision on if he's the real deal or not?
2: I think honestly he gets an entire season just because it's abbreviated because, uh, because of his physical talent, um, you know, his physical talent is way better than Jake Rudock. It's way better than Wilton Spade. It's better than Shea Patterson. Uh, his physical talent matches up with, with Ryan Mallett. His physical talent um, matches up with Drew Henson, uh, guys who, who just had unbelievable arms. I mean, I, to this day, I still think Drew Henson's the most talented quarterback I've ever seen in Michigan, more talented than Tom Brady, more talented than Brian Greasy and Elvis Gerbach and Jim Harbaugh. And he has that natural ability. Can he put it all together? Big question mark. But he has that natural ability, and so I think he'll get an entire eight, nine games to to put it all together. If after nine games he's completing fifty five percent of his passes, has a you know a, 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 like twenty touchdown passes, but has you know 14, 15 interceptions, then you're going to look and go, okay, in two thousand twenty one, maybe it's McNamara, maybe it's JJ McCarthy, maybe it's Dan Falarie, the, the true freshman and you move on from him. But I don't think you you make that decision in week three or week four. I will say this. When does he have to be balling out? If they need him to be a baller in week one. They need him to be a baller in week one. But overall, like I hope that they don't, they don't need that. They don't give up 42 points against Minnesota. They don't give up 35 points. I think by the time you get to week three when they play Indiana on the road, week four when they have Wisconsin at home, if Jack Cohn, their uh, quarterback, is back, I think that's when you're talking about – I mean, crazy to say this because it's it's his third career start, but I think – By week three, you're talking about taking the training wheels off of Joe Milton. Because after that, you've got – I mean, you've got Indiana. It's going to throw the ball a lot. You've got Wisconsin. You've got Penn State coming up. And then you've got Ohio State at the end of the year.
1: Do you think that Jim Harbaugh is going to allow that to happen? You you talked about how you really need to see them let, let Joe Milton loose and not be the game manager. But you look at Michigan's running back room. And it's as deep as anybody's in the country. You've got Zach Charbonnet and Hassan Haskins, who uh, you know, dual carried the load last year and both did really well. Then you bring back Chris Evans, who you know, can be a dual threat as far as catching the, the football and running it. And then Blake Corum is an up-and-comer who everybody says is a stud. With that depth at the running back position, you know Jim Harbaugh loves that smash mouth. Uh, football and he he's going to want to run it still 15 to 20 times a game too do you see him saying you know when it's first down all the time are they gonna pass the football with Joe Milton are they gonna take those shots deep or especially in the in the cold weather you know sloppy game plays It, it depending on what what happens is he going to be able to let Joe Milton loose or is Jim Harbaugh's you know, stubbornness going to get in his way. And are they going to just try and pound the rock?
2: I'll tell you why I have confidence, because I think more and more as the 2019 season unfolded, I think Jim Harbaugh gave Josh Gattis greater reign of the offense and of the play calling and, and, and started to, you know, as, as I noted in our first podcast, I mean, the the first four years of the Harbaugh era, they threw the ball on first down 68% of the time last year, 59% of the time. That means, you know, it came down by 10 percentage points. Uh, That's a Josh Gattis impact. That's a guy who understands that we need to throw the ball um, more consistently. Uh, You know, they threw the ball 57 times in the red zone. Um, You know, that's, that's a, that was a high for the Harbaugh era. Uh, So I think that Josh Gattis got said, he came from Alabama. He came from Penn state where he, where you know, he saw an offense that um, that did throw the ball a lot. Uh, certainly they had Saquon Barkley, but they threw the ball to Saquon Barkley a ton. He had more than 100 catches in his career uh, as a Penn State running back. So I have confidence that if it's Josh Gattis calling the shots, and I believe that it is, um, that Michigan will be more pass happy uh, than they have been any time um, in the Harbaugh era uh, and, and turn it loose. And I'll, and I'll say this too, I mean, If in week one, they find themselves in a game, you know, P.J. Fleck loves Tanner Morgan, loves Rashawn Bateman. I mean, he has weapons uh, in the passing game. Tanner Morgan uh, was one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the country last year. Uh, They're going to throw the ball 40 times in this game on Saturday. And if they're throwing the ball and they're scoring and they put up, you know, 14 points in the first quarter or they've got 21 at the half or something like that, it's going to demand Demand that that Harbaugh and and Josh Gass do throw the ball. I'll say this: I'm going to prepare Michigan fans. Something that Michigan fans and all of us are going to have to get used to, Justin, is they're going to like teams are going to win games. Like we've been seeing this in college football. This is the trend the last couple years. Even the great defenses give up a ton of yards and a and a ton of points. I mean, you know, if you're if you're a defense like Clemson and or Alabama or Ohio State and you give up 24 points or even 28 points in a game. That's a successful game because your offenses are capable of scoring 35, 42 or more. Um, and so, yeah, they're here. They're going to have to throw the ball more and they're going to have to, we're going to have to get past this point thinking like Don Brown's defense is going to hold Ohio state and hold Minnesota and hold Penn state to, to 17 points or 21 points and win the game 28, 21. That's not college football in 2020. And so I do think they're going to throw the ball more because they're going to have to throw the ball more to win in today's game.
1: Yeah, and and we'll do a little deeper dive on what kind of a game you you'll expect for the Michigan Minnesota game uh, coming later this week. But let's uh, you know we have talked a lot about Michigan and Minnesota. Let's look a, a little bit around the the rest of the country. Um, so there's some big games this weekend. A couple of upsets in the SEC. Uh, Tennessee got absolutely clobbered by Kentucky, thirty-four to seven. South Carolina ended up uh, upsetting. Uh, Auburn 30 to 22 as well. And then in the big one, um, it wasn't an upset. Uh, Alabama had Georgia had them kind of on the ropes in the first half and then Alabama really put them, put it on them in the second half. So um, was there anything else interesting you saw around the country this weekend?
2: Well, hmm. that, I mean, no, the North Carolina Florida state game, uh, North Carolina, you know, that's a game that they have to win. I know it's on the road, and I know that, you know, Florida State probably has not played their potential this year, but a one-in-three FSU team that's struggling. If you're the – North Carolina was ranked number five in the country at the point, I mean, that was too high for them. Yeah. But if you want to prove that you can go toe-to-toe at some point with Clemson this year, that's a game you got to win. Uh, and so there, we, we just had this conversation on, on, on our first podcast, right, Like, because North Carolina or Notre Dame – Uh, be a college football sleeper because if they just lose to Clemson could they get in well North Carolina just said nope we're not getting in without beating Clemson Uh, that's a that's a bad loss for them Mm -hmm. the Alabama Georgia game you know Georgia I'm watching the the quarterback Stetson and uh, he man he's precocious but damn does he miss a lot of wide open guys like there were there were I thought he left a lot of points on the field and I and I, I wonder, I mean, he's kind of a – he's right in that boat. I think he's a redshirt sophomore. Uh, you know, is, is that what Joe Milton's going to be? Is he just going to be a really unrefined? He's going to make some great throws. He's going to make some really good plays. And then he's going to leave a lot of points on the board. I, I think he cost Georgia a lot in that game. Um, and that's – and then Alabama just kind of pulled away. And Mac Jones uh, and that Najee Harris, that running game was, was super strong. I mean, Alabama looks really good. I can't believe Nick Saban coached. I can't believe that he forced the issue. Um, You know, he tested positive for coronavirus. 72 hours later, he's on the sidelines for the game. And he, you know, he had to go through a number of protocols. I mean, in the Big Ten, that wouldn't have happened. If he would have tested positive, like he would have been sidelined for, uh, he would have been sidelined for 21 days. Mm -hmm. And in the SEC, they're just like, hey, let me just keep on taking test after test after test uh, and make sure and, and get enough negative tests, which, um, you know, I, I, a little bit of – I was talking to a doctor friend. They're like, yeah, yeah, he sure is getting negative – I mean, he was questioning whether there was legitimacy to it. You know, I mean, that's just crazy that he – 72 hours later, he coached in the game. Um, but that's the SEC. So, no, no, no big surprises from the weekend. I think we asked this question in our, in our first podcast, what are your four college football playoff teams? And I think we said Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and then maybe Notre Dame or North Carolina – well, let's eliminate North Carolina from the mix. Notre Dame beat Louisville 12-7, to 7, not in impressive fashion, but we don't need to eliminate them yet. Uh, so we're still at Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and insert, you know, who, who is the fourth-best team in college football right now, Justin?
1: I, you, there's, Notre Dame has got to be it, but they're not impressive at all. You, you talked about this uh, on Friday, and 12-7 to 7 over Louisville – you know, Louisville is not a good football team, and in a in a season that you you've mentioned this already, where people are scoring 35, 40 points left and right, and Notre Dame can only put up twelve on a Louisville ACC defense. You know, I with with Ian Book there, who is you know a dark horse Heisman candidate, I would think that they'd be able to put up a lot more points, and so. Um, for them to put up one, uh, one touchdown and two field goals is very concerning for the Fighting Irish as far as if they want to be that fourth team coming in. Um, but it's hard to say anybody else is deserving either uh, until, we, until we see the Big Ten really get into the mix this weekend. Um, and one big uh, game outside of Michigan, Minnesota that I'm looking at is Penn State at Indiana. Uh, Penn State's only six-and-a-half-point favorites in that one, and Indiana has a lot of buzz around them. So uh, Penn State, you know, is a team that could could get into the college football playoff mix here. They're ranked pretty highly. So we'll see about that team um, going uh, forward this weekend.
2: Yeah, I'll say this. I mean, who is that fourth team? We'll have an interesting conversation, you know, next Sunday or, or next Monday. Uh, Justin, if Michigan goes out there and beats Minnesota and looks good doing it, and Penn State goes out there and beats Indiana and looks good doing it. Then when we have this conversation, which might be a repeat topic for us every week, who is the fourth team in the college football playoff? Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll have a good chance to say Michigan or Penn State. Yeah. Um, and we'll certainly we'll certainly learn a lot more about uh, about college football coming up. Well, Justin, we've got a lot more of these podcasts. We'll have three more this week. Mm-hmm. Um, really excited to, to do this, to talk Michigan football uh, with you, to talk college football with you. Our great sponsors, Capnick Insurance Group. Uh, I am now a client executive working for Kapnick Insurance Group. Uh, you can reach out to me at mspath at capnick.com. That's M-S-P-A-T-H at capnick.com for your uh, personal or your business needs. Um, love the people I'm working with here. Love how they, they look out for their, their clients. Um, their responsibility is, is not to fatten the wallets of the insurance carriers. Their responsibility is to get the best bang for your buck and take care of your future uh, for all their individual clients. So I love working with these people. Uh, Wolverine State Brewing Company, check out their menu, menu at wolverinebeer.com. Um, you know, you might not feel comfortable going into restaurants yet, but hey, maybe on Saturday, 7.30 game, you go and pick up yourself a growler or a crawler, uh, pick up yourself some food and you watch the games. Their, their limited release, their massacre, uh, their most famous beer, their, their bourbon barrel Imperial Stout just came out. Uh, so you can pick up a four pack or a six pack of that. Uh, at uh, Wolverine State Brewing Company. Uh, Justin, tomorrow when we talk, we'll have heard from Jim Harbaugh. We'll get all of his thoughts on uh, the opening week of college football for Michigan and for the Big Ten, uh, any injury updates, any coronavirus updates because, mm-hmm. you know, they might have had – who knows? You know, I mean, that threshold is really low, uh, but they might have a player who tested positive or two players who tested positive, and those players have to sit out for a while. So uh, we'll learn all those things from, uh, from Jim Harbaugh uh, in his Monday press conference. So Justin, thanks very much for, uh, for another, another fun conversation. Um, I'm going to go teach a, teach a class, teach a U of M class here, uh, which I'm really looking forward to and, uh, hope everybody has a great start to their week. On This here, I'm sitting in Ann Arbor and it's this dreary, rainy, <laughs> miserable day. That's okay for Monday by Friday, Saturday it needs to be sunny. It needs to be yeah. gorgeous. It needs to feel like
1: fall. Yeah, absolutely. It is late October, though, so we'll see, um, that you know, how it looks in Ann Arbor and in Minneapolis this weekend. So that was the Stadium in Maine podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys tomorrow.